If you're looking for inspiration on how you can build and grow successful businesses without them taking over your life, then this episode is going to be right up your street. I have the pleasure of speaking with John Paul. Now, John is a author. He's an award-winning estate agent. He has 10 branches, over 60 staff, and around 2,500 properties under his management, yet he manages to do all of that in just a few hours a month. In this episode, you'll discover what it takes to remove yourself entirely from the day-to-day operations of your business so you can focus on the most important things in life. So the question is this, how do entrepreneurs like us who don't have an endless supply of cash, how do we leverage the best apps, virtual assistants, automation tools and systems to scale our businesses, increase our profits and have more time to do what we love to do each day? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dr. Steve Day and this is Systemize Your Success. Hi, John. Thanks very much indeed for coming along and having a chat with me today. I thought I'd kick off and tell you how I actually got to hear of you. So we, I think, became Facebook friends via friend of a friend or whatever. And then either you mentioned on Facebook or it popped up onto my Kindle list that you'd written a book. This was back in, I think, November 2017. And at the time, I was helping people to systemize their businesses and just really getting my head around that and just starting out. And this book was um, called Stress to Success, From Stress to Success. And I didn't really know what to expect because you'd written it and you were a friend on Facebook. I thought I'd give it a go. And what I found was a massive wealth of uh, information and knowledge about systemizing businesses. So I just want to start off and say thank you. I thought it was an absolutely brilliant book. And I think what that book did for me, above many other books, was put things in a very simple but plain and implementable language and a method that you could do rather than trying to sort of overwhelm. So just well done on that. And if anyone's not read it, that's listened to this now, I highly recommend it. It's From Stress to Success by John Paul. So I'll come back to a few bits about that later. Um, but first of all, I want to go back to to your life today. So what is your what has that done for you, that process that you went through in writing that book? What does your life look like or your day-to-day work well what's what it's done for me is a, is, a, is a couple of things one it's um i'll be completely honest it's it's lifted my brand and authority within what i do coaching wise and stuff so you know yourself anyone who, who writes a book is perceived to have that little bit more knowledge than than somebody who hasn't written a book whether or not that's true i don't know but i do try my best um so the, the second thing what that did is that that allowed me to um step out of my business because we you know i walked the walk we truly had implemented that sort of stuff in the business um but because of that um we we, we grew and scaled the business my agency quite quite quickly around about that time and in fact pretty much over the last 18 months we've we've doubled the business in size from six branches to 12 and we've got a couple more um acquisitions on the go so Actually, putting that that type of stuff that I, sp- I speak about in the book into practice in the business, it has really allowed me to to take a step out. And if I'm honest, I'm probably in the business a couple of days a month. Um, in the agency, I'm not in it at an operational level at all. For instance, we had um, I've had a senior management meeting this morning with my board direct core board directors. That was an hour, now and ten minutes. I had an operations meeting with my MD and area managers on Friday. That was. That was a bit of a longer one. That was a two-hour one, but you know, I uh, I did about ten percent of the talking, which was nice. So it allows me to be purely strategic, um, as well as, as as well as the actual processes and procedures. It's taken a bit of a mindset shift to 
to get out of the tactics and get into the, the sort of strategy. But for me now, I'm I'm out of the business and I can I can do what I, I love, which is the coaching and, and scaling of the business. So basically, you've gone to running a, a large, successful agency in two days a month, in effect. Pretty much. I mean, I don't right. So there's there's a bit of a caveat here. There's running it and then there's running it, right? You know, I've got an amazing MD who is a better manager of people than I'll ever be. You know, the, the running joke is I can't even tie her shoelaces when it comes to managing people. And then she she teaches and her passion is coaching and management. Mine's not. I'm not a very good manager. If I'm, I'm definitely more of a leader. Definitely, I, you know, come on, let's go do it. Let's just get run ahead. Where Adele is is very much. Come on, let's have a look at it. Let's analyze what went well, what didn't go so well. Come on, arm around the shoulder type of um, mentality. So yeah, she, she, there's running it, and then she runs it. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm honest. But I guess you, if you look back to the beginning a bit, and at some point it was you. Like there was this, there was this transition from. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, at some point you were doing all of the stuff that she now does. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so, when did that start for you? When did it go from you being? Were you one man band at the time? Did you have a business partner? Was it was um, you no, doing no, everything? And then I, I was doing everything. So we started uh, 2008, eight, nine, really. Um, and it was just a letting agency we had at the time. And I was doing everything from collecting the rent to, um, you know, the bottle washing and, and doing the accounts and, you know, sending the arrears letters, you, you name it. I was doing everything. And then I had one staff, two staff, three staff, and it just started going up and up and up. And there was a, everyone's got that epiphany, that little light bulb moment. And mine was after about two years when we just kept making the same mistakes and we, we felt as though we were just running in treacle. And that we had really good ideas. We felt we were not a bad company. We didn't think we were world beaters, but we kept losing landlords and, and staff and, and, all, and customers. It was just, it was a very, very difficult time. And as with everybody, I read The Emoth. So that was that was my book that I read. And it wasn't very detailed in terms of the, the, the specifics it had to do. I just knew the theory I had to get out of the business. And then I read um, uh, some, some other books and, uh, you know, auditing procedures and, you know, really nerdy stuff, proper nerdy stuff, and just sort of understood how um, ISO 9001, if anybody's heard of that, it's like a quality standard. I'll, you'll have had it in the, uh, you know, being a doctor and stuff. You you had like loads of standards you had to perform to. And for me, it was a case of, right, well, how do I pick that up and how do I put that in, in our business? And if, you've, if anybody's read from Stress to Success, you'll see the auditing procedure is pretty much the ISO auditing procedure with a few tweaks on it. We use words like non-conformance and OFI, which is an opportunity for further improvement and minor and major. So I've, I've, I've used that. And I do that a lot in, in, in my business. I look externally for ways that the other industries work and other in, businesses work. And, you know, we picked our KPIs from um, Nissan, which is a big employer up here and other automotive industries. And we've got um, various boards and, and, and stuff that we've pinched off the automotive industry and got our own ideas so, yeah, very quickly early on, I realized that we had to do something because what we were currently doing wasn't working. So I, I just wrote our manual and it was the 20 pages of spelling and grammatical mistakes. It was embarrassing, but it was a start. And it was something that got us to where we are today. And, and just every couple of months, we changed it. We adapted it. We made mistakes. We massively screwed up, but we just kept evolving it. And I always kept saying that that is our Bible. Whatever happens, we follow that until somebody comes up with a better idea and we don't deviate. And again, we've made mistakes, stuff's left across the way, along the way. Um, but it's always that progression. It's always that moving and pushing forward. Yeah, brilliant. Because yeah, until you've got something to refer to, there's no way to improve. So 
it's that hole. If you don't measure it, you can't improve it or whatever that adage yeah, is. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's 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 again. It's it's great for staff. So I I, do, I am like love my systems just like you do. But we've you know we've had to evolve into more of a staff business because if you get a good staff can write the systems for you, right? But you can have the best systems on the planet. But if you've got, I want to be polite, a nugget who can't follow it, then the system's just going to fall by the wayside. So we realised that. It was as, as much of the systems, as, as good we had the systems, we needed to um, train and develop the staff. And we learned very early on about that. And um, when we have really good systems, you need to be able to manage exactly what you said, manage and measure the staff performance based on something. And that is the baseline. And if they perform well, if they just follow the system and trust the process, they'll do well and they'll get the results we want. If they don't, then you know things go wrong. And then it's a case of, right, well, is it a skill or a will? So the only th- two things that can go wrong in a business is it's a, it's a person issue or it's a process issue. So it's the only two things. Either somebody chose not to do something or somebody did it and the, the process was was um, faulty, it was wrong. If it's a pr- person, then you look at it and you say, is it a skill or a will issue? Do we need to upskill that person to train them on the process? Or are they choosing not to follow it and that's a motivational issue and then that's a completely different conversation you need to have with somebody. One's an arm around the shoulder and one's a what the hell's gone wrong with this? Um, so, but, but because you've got the processes in place and you've got the training plans and we, we've got something called a skills matrix, I won't bore you with the details. Because you've got that, you can then identify it to see if the person, is, if it's a skill or a will, if they've, they've previously had the training on, on carrying out a certain action, um, and then you can sort of manage that person uh, accordingly because there's, there's different ways you manage people, as you, as you well know. You know, do you supervise them? Do you delegate to them? Do you coach them? Do you manage them? So there's, there's various ways, and it depends on where they are with the skill or a will element, how you manage and coach or, or supervise that person. So the, it, it all fits in very nicely hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, some real nuggets there. Um, so how does that fit into your to your hiring process? Because you're saying it's a skill or a will, or it's a person or a process. So if you've got mm-hmm. your pre-company processes are good, and and there's obviously a lot of good people out there as well as some not so good. So how does that affect or how has that influenced your hiring? Is there any tips you can give for people? How do you hire the right people for your business? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, and believe it or not, the first thing we look at is values. We don't even look at their capability or competency. We look at the values. So we can teach them to be capable. They will become competent. But if somebody's got a different value set to us, then they'll they'll never be the person that we want them to be. It's the same sort of people when they just say, right, how much money are you going to pay us? What's my bonus structure? What's my commission? We say that's a mercenary mentality. So if somebody comes and offers them a pound more, they'll go. So you want somebody with the same values as you, the same beliefs, who, who buy into the same things, understand your where you want to take the company, and they will walk over broken glass for you. They'll haul themselves over hot coals. So the, the way we do it is we've, fully enough, we're very systemized with this process. <laughs> There's a surprise. <laughs> so our, our values are be better, um, you know, create a better company, give a better customer service, be a better you, together we are better. That That's our value. So it's all about slowly moving towards, um, you know, a, a common goal, if you like. So when we sit in, when we sit down, we interview them, we ask the capability and competency questions, of course we do, you know, can you value a house? Talk about this, talk about that. How do you let the property, um, you know, technical questions. But then we'll start asking questions about their values. So for us being be, uh, being better, one could be, you know, imagine um, you wanted to progress in a role and you, you couldn't because you were blocked. How were you better? 
they don't know what our values are, or they, you know, they might not know, the majority won't know, but we still ask them questions around their values. Is it foolproof? No, but it really does weed out the wheat from the chaff. So once they start, and again, that's what a probation period is for, that once you feel as though you've made that connection over values, you recruit them, and so long as you're training them to the best of your ability, they've got the best the best uh, uh, possible possibility of, of succeeding. So it's all about finding their values, having that training development plan. And it's a little bit like a newborn baby. The most vulnerable time a newborn baby or a new employee is, is right at the very beginning. So you don't just say, right, there's the manual, see you later. Just as you wouldn't say to the baby, there's some rusks, catch you in three months. It's You've got to really, really nurture that person to make sure that they know and understand. And the induction is important as well, getting them buying in on day one where you are and where you want to get to, and then just help and support that person. Yeah, totally. I, I actually read um, Traction not so long ago, Gina Whitman. Re- yeah. Reread it, I should say, because I've read it about three times, but I actually reread it and actually went through the values the way he teaches it in there, just because it happened to be the, the book I was reading it at the time I needed to do this. And we put our values in place and got rid of, or, or staffy that left, or they were, sort of just just left yeah mainly left on their own accord actually when we started publish, publishing our own values this is what we stand for this is who we are exactly the same way that you do and actually people just decided they didn't really want to be a part of it and it was great because in hindsight you look back and think wow well, actually they were holding things back they weren't the right people in the right roles and and so yeah i totally 100 percent agree with you on all of that yeah yeah because it's trust as well there's a lot of, yeah in business you've got to learn to let go and you can't let go to people who don't have the same values because you know, that's when the hand gets dipped in the till or wrong mistake, uh, wrong decisions get made. And and what we say to them is your mission statement is where you want to get to. So we're all aligned. It's like the like 100 metres track. It keeps you it keeps you in your own lane. That's what the mission statement is. But the values is how you're going to get there. Now, you know, in sales, which a large part of our business is sales, and estate agents haven't got a great name or reputation, we don't want people who, you know, sell the granny just to, just to make a sale. We don't want that. We want it to be honest. Um, but we don't want to shout about honesty, integrity is, is a value, or we don't, because that, that should come as a given. You know, it, it's a real sad industry if we've got to shout out, hey, come to Castledean, we won't lie to you. Come to Castledean, we won't rip you off. That's that's not saying a hell of a lot about the industry we operate in, is it? I think integrity is one of those um, one of those words which gets thrown into values just because it's sort of like standard. Actually, yeah. Ironically, I had a company once called Integrity HR, which was a recruitment agency back in the day. We're going about 20 odd years now, but anyway, there you go. You live and learn, don't you? But no, I totally agree with you. Cool. Um, So here's a question actually that came up. I'm going to flick to it now because um, I think it rides in with this really nicely. And we were talking about sort of getting staff in and writing systems, your operation manuals. And you were saying you'd already got quite a few staff in when you started this process, really, and you were rolling it out to them or they were part of this and so this actually question that i was asked i got through email today from my help desk and it just thought you know what i'm going to actually put this to john and get your views on this as well before i actually reply to my client with with this answer so i'll I'll put this out as a joint answer on, on my facebook group so this is her question so my biggest issue is getting the rest of the team to write procedures it's impossible any tips on how I can do this, please, especially around accountability? Mm. So the first thing, well, there's two things. is One, they've got to buy in to, to, to what you're asking them to do. So if, if you ask somebody to do something, it's a bit like, you know, if I, Jack, my 11-year-old, oh, can you make your bed? Oh, Dad, do I have to? Or can you come and, you know, take the dog for a while? Oh, do I have to? 
But if you either gamify it or you make it interesting or you share part of the bigger picture where by doing it, it's going to do for them, everybody is what's in it for me, right? So it's a case of, well, look, we're going to write these systems, these procedures. It's going to make you more efficient, make you more effective, better at your job. I'm going to be bringing in some sort of bonus and commission structure. You're going to have more chance to earn more money. You're going to be better off. I mean, that's literally off the top of my head, but that's the type of thing. Um, and yeah, actually sort of, and give them time off as well to do it. If you're asking them to do something, you need to give them like two hours on a Friday afternoon in work time off, they're working from home. But just just say, this is what I want and, and these are the expectations. And actually be a little bit, um, not, not demanding, but set the rules of what you expect from them as well. Um, because if you just leave it open-ended or you just say, just do it as and when, fit it around your work, it, it's it's just getting pushed down the priority list. So set the expect, sell it so they buy into it. They can see why you're doing it, understand why. Um, and also, this isn't going away, guys. I want this to be done. I'd love you to come along with us, but there's the door if you don't want to. Um, it's, yeah, and, and again, feedback as well. Feedback's a gift, unless you're getting bad feedback and it doesn't feel it that way sometimes. But, you know, once once they, they write the systems or the processes, Feed the back to them, pat them on the back. Yeah, that's great. You forgot about this. So next time, let's do this and try and just bring everybody together. Yeah, cool. And one of the other things, just thinking about what we've done in our business as well to get people on board and something I speak to my clients a lot about is because we have, we do a lot of our um, work on helping people to work with people like Philippines and stuff. So the cost of labor there is much cheaper. And so one thing for companies that want to do that, not all companies do, and they want to work with them, people in the UK or USA or whatever, but for the companies that are open to this idea, then the idea is if they can create processes for the stuff they hate doing, this is the staff, they can then offload that to somebody else, i.e. the new person comes in, or they just be somebody coming in at a lower level than them. It doesn't need to be someone in the Philippines. And then, so you can actually sell it to them as well, saying you get to do more of the stuff you love to do and you're good at, and therefore you'll be even more valid to the company. And then we can get rid of all that stuff you don't. So, yeah, good idea. Yeah, you you write this, we'll give it away. You don't write it, you're going to do it forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's good yours. Idea, yeah. And the, the other thing as well, I think from a mindset point of view, and I don't know how effective it is, but it's something I've always done is is to say to people like when you go on holiday, I, I, t- I say what, I'll give you an example that I notice when my staff go on holiday, if, they, if they're aligned with values and stuff, they want the company to succeed, they'll be checking in. They'll be doing things when they're away. And you're like, no, no, you're on holiday. Stop checking in. And so what I say to them is, look, if you've documented your processes properly, then we can hand them over the minute you leave. And you can take them back when you come back. If you're not, then you're going to have this, this, this angst, this worry, and you might end up checking in and not enjoying your time off. So that's another way that I've sold it to to our staff in the past. Yeah, that's good. We we um we we separate our staff. This is just like metaphorically speaking into worker bees and um and rock stars. That's what we call them. And the rock stars, rough rule of thumb, you want twenty percent rock stars and eighty percent worker bees. And and this is the proviso that everyone's got the same values, right? So rock stars are the ones that work like seven in the morning till eight o'clock at night. You'll get emails off them at stupid o'clock in the morning and um, the weekends and stuff. Worker bees are just nine till five. They just come in night or five, and that's fine because I couldn't think of anything worse than than 100 rock stars all climbing over each other to be the top dog. It would be just carnage. Um, but you can tell that it's it's the it's the rock stars that who who are they're on holiday, and you've got to say. In fact, one of the one of the girls who manages my property portfolio, she she'll email um because I'm an early riser, so I'll email her like stupid o'clock in the morning, like half five, and I get a response at quarter six, and I've got to say, Ashley, if you email me once more, I'm going to sack you. Bugger off till nine o'clock till you start 
and then come back to us and, you know, ha, 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 so she knows I'm joking. Um, but it's the same sort of thing. You want to, to, it's a nice feeling to know that people are so um, aligned with the, where you want to take the company and they've bought into the company that they're prepared to work out of hours to get the same thing for, as you want. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's one of those things, I think, there's, as a business owner, when that happens to you for the first time and somebody's going out of their way and taking their time out to basically serve you and your business, that is a feeling that is quite remarkable. So, yeah, Brilliant. totally, yeah. totally get you. Um, cool. Right. I wanted to actually talk about process mapping very briefly. And the oh. reason I want to talk about this, because for most people, it's a pretty dry subject. Now, I, I'm a bit of a process map flowchart geek. I did a degree in computing and, and, and came top of the year in systems analysis and design. So, when I, yeah, yeah, pat my back there. <laughs> so, uh, of all things to be, you know, top of the year at. Um, anyway, so I... When I teach us in, in our course, in our um, systemization courses, this is this is the moment. Once you get people over this, and they, they they accept, they're just gonna have a go. This is the massive aha moment. Often, mm -hmm. it's suddenly now I get it. Now I see what a system is. Now I see how I can get stuff out of my head. So you talked about this a lot in um, in, in stress of success. And I just wondered how you do, I don't think you did a degree in computing, if I, if I remember correctly. How did you get introduced to the idea of process mapping? And how do you get your clients on board with it? And any tips or uh, you know, objections you get? How do you overcome them? That sort of thing. So just around this idea of process, process mapping. And what, what, you know, do you think it's as exciting as I do? <laughs> um, probably not. But I think it's pretty, you know, I do, I do love the systems. And I, do you know what I do? I don't actually like the process of writing the systems, but I absolutely love it. It's a bit like um, Hannibal Smith off the A team. I love it when a plan comes together. I love the end result. And when things go smooth and if this happens, that person gets involved and the system does this and automatically does that. I mean, I know your system when we were just booking in this, this podcast is, is absolutely slick. And that, that's, that's what, when it works, it's it's great with my coaching. I've got you know we use Asana and then I've got um, the various other bits of tool and software and Stripe and you know, all that sort of stuff and it just works well. So with me, what really got me into it because I'd never heard about process mapping before. But when I wanted to, before I got involved in property, I was a health and safety officer and an internal quality auditor. So I worked for a company and I did lots of internal quality auditing, very like low level stuff, nothing nothing that intelligent if I'm honest. But part of the new ISO, for the readers, listeners rather out there, ISO is International Standards Organization, something like that. And effectively, what that means is that is your systemized businesses to operate in a certain way. And um, it's to be able to, so if there was a product breaking down or a service that didn't work well, you can retrospectively look back and find the exact moment of when it broke down. Um, so my dad had an engineering company. And if anything went wrong, it was like, right, was the metal tested? How was it made? What what tips did you, carbide tips did you use to, to make it? And every little bit of thing along the way was documented. So if it broke, we found out what point broke. So we had to process map some of, some of these systems and processes. And it literally was, I haven't got any on my desk, but it literally was just post-it notes and just whack them on a whiteboard and just write down the 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 headline of the process, sorry, the headline of the action, and then just a little uh, felt tip pen and, and, and do it all around. Like, and just as simple as that and make it, make it easy. And then when you're writing down the process, that's when you put a bit more meat on the board. Um, but, I, and I think the reason why people don't do it is business owners tend to be more um, entrepreneurial. 
They tend to be more emotional. Well, this is a very logical thing. So you've been being a doctor and you've been a systems geek. You're very logical. I'm logical, not, not as much as you, but I'm a lot more logical than, than, than I am emotional. So I think that's why it comes a bit easier to you and I. But some of my guys just you're talking about it, you're talking about it, and it's just very it's very hard for people to understand the importance of a system and, and also how to process map it. But for me, it literally is just post-it notes and a, and, a, and a marker on a board and just try and work things out. And Well, if that breaks, then what happens? And if that doesn't happen, then who takes this phone call? And what's important for us is to use smart objectives, so smart goals, be very specific, um, make sure it's measurable, agreed, realistic, or, or um, agreed, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. So don't just say, uh, or return a call when you can, because you know what's going to happen. They're going to, they're not going to return the call. And when you pull them up, oh yes, yeah, Steve, it was it was the next thing on my list. Well, that's BS because they, they've forgotten about until you remi- reminded them. So in all of our procedures, it is a thing like you know, return call by three thirty the next day. Do this on a Monday. Don't do that on a Tuesday. You've got to do it. And also standards as well. So when we're doing a certain thing, it has to be a standard. So and and then that standard is detailed somewhere. So it's normally one uh, one to four. I won't I won't bore you with the details, but um, you know, three being four being exceeding, three being performing, under developing and underperforming. And there's a definition of what each one is. So that's for the entire company, no matter what what process. And even people, we 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 can um, define whether they're performing or exceeding or developing a certain task. So one, once you get that level of um, sort of definition into a process. Then you can then it, then it's a lot easier to manage and measure that process, but process mapping. I mean, some really good bits of software. I don't know what, what you guys tell, tell your students, but some really good bits of kit out there that can help you with that process if you need to do it. Yeah, we use. Um, I try and push Lucidchart because it's just super That's easy. Yeah, um, but Draw.io is the cheap and cheerful option, which I always if they don't want to pay for anything, then yeah. yeah. But Lucidchart, it's just yeah, it's just easy to use. And there's so many templates as well, isn't it? I was looking yeah. at it at the weekend because that's just our our rock and roll these days. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living the dream. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. Um, cool. One thing, actually, as you're talking then, it just um, I realised the time, but I want to ask you this because it just came up and popped into my head. So before we were talking about getting people to write the process maps and you've got to be like, you've got to put time aside and say, look, two hours of the week, that's your process mapping moment, you know, and you just mentioned something then about being smart with your goals. So being really specific in time, et cetera. And so this is, as you were saying that, and I was thinking about training and about actually getting people to better themselves in your, to be, to become more valuable to you as a business. So the reason that popped into my head was I was thinking when we started out, we used to say, oh yeah, yeah you can do some training or whatever you want, you know, you can, uh, you know, whatever you like, just go away and do it, you know, and, and there was never this specific timed set aside time for them to do it, whatever. So just how do you deal with training? How do you really encourage your, your new staff to actually take time out and do it? Cause that's the hardest thing we found to actually get people to, to actually learn stuff. Yeah. So I, one, one of the best things we ha- have ever implemented in the business was something called investors and people. So again, it's, it's like another accreditation, we were going to go for that, that ISO back in the day, probably about six, 2015, 16, I think. And I was explaining to the guys, um, yeah, it's a systems thing. And it's, and my manager said, but we already do systems, so what do we get? I went, well, I suppose we get a nice little emblem. 
oh, well, it's a lot of money and a lot of work to go through that. So anyway, we, we, we went down IIP, Investors and People, and it does exactly what it says on the tin. You invest in your staff. It's a bit more complicated than that, but it's all about communication and the feedback loop and all that sort of jazz and, and, and training. So t- taking it back a step, I actually looked into what motivates people, and it's, it's you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Alda for Hertzberg, McClellan, all these sort of guys. And they talk about one thing. Uh, Maslow called it self-actualization. I think McClellan called it um, ambition. There's attainment. And it is progressing towards a goal. So where you are now, people want to be better than what they are. That doesn't necessarily mean you get promoted. It just means you want to be better where you are. So if, if you take a football analogy, you know, unfortunately for me, I'm a Sunderland supporter. So it's it's not as if we're going to win any leagues or the FA Cup. But every single player just wants to be better at where, where they are in their position. It's just common sense. And we want to be as business people. We don't want to be, you know, the next apprentice or Lord Sugar or, or whatever. We just want to be able to be better than what we are. So we we drew up this, this thing called the skills matrix, as I mentioned before. And effectively, it is all their actions, and we grade them one to four, but it's backed up with facts and evidence. So you, you would come in, Steve, and we would have things like your behaviors, like your attitude, um, you know, your, your, your solutions focus, customer service, all that sort of jazz, and we'll, we'll score you. If you disagree with something, we back it with facts and evidence. So then we, we get a status quo, and everywhere where's a one and a two, which is you know underperforming or developing, we will come up with a bespoke, specific plan to get you from a one and a two to a three and a four. So now this isn't like generic customer service training Friday at three o'clock, generic arrears training Monday at nine o'clock or, or whatever. This is Steve Day's specific training plan. This is JP's specific training plan. And now there's no... It's, it's it's keeping it interesting, it's keeping it relevant, and the guys are interested because it's bettering them and them alone, their specific plan. It's a bit like um, you and me at the gym and we, you know, we'll do a generic diet plan, a generic training plan. Well, you're a bloody ultra marathon runner, so you know, and I'm a I'm a six foot three, eighteen stone rugby player. There's not a chance I'm running the same distance as you. And there's not a chance you're squatting what I'm squatting. So, but to, to taking that analogy for, for old-fashioned training we would still have the same training. So I, it just it just couldn't compute in my head that why completely different you know, goals and desires and wants, but we'd have different uh, same training. So what we do is we bespoke training and they get we get results quicker um, and we can literally say to them, this is your bespoke, bespoke plan. So it's very much individualised what we do. Put as much effort and time into training is is you would anything else in business because a lot of people I see who employ people chuck the manual at them because they're very proud of the manual and say learn it and then they don't learn it and then they're like oh they were crap they didn't have the same values or, or whatever it's like no you've got to nurture that person as, as best you can to try and give them all the tools they can to succeed because if you don't it's just going to be history repeating itself so put as much effort into training development as you do anything else in the business yeah I, I- if anything, I would say, like, I would even more than agree with you. I think that training and bringing staff up it not only is has a direct impact on your business that benefits you, it helps you. I'm at a slightly, actually, um, not as far along in that getting out of the way of my own business as you are. And I can see that the more time I invest and the more training I do, the more I can elevate myself and delegate down. And it's, it's a simple correlation. You know, it's just like, that is how you get out of a business. You need to train people or bring people in, obviously. But if you've got good people in the company, then why not train them up? So, yeah, 100%. Um, 
Cool. Okay. So um, I've got a few sort of signature questions, I guess you call them, or quick fire questions, um, just to finish off, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Cool. So what question should I have asked you if only I'd known to? Oh, do you know what? Probably that one. No. Um, <laughs> that's a very good question. Um, where does your passion from systems and scale and business come from? Go on then. <laughs> so that's a, now I've got to think that's like, what a brilliant question. <laughs> yeah, great question. If only I knew that. So my, my, my quest or my knowledge for systems came, the long, short, the very, very, very short and abbreviated answer is my dad had an engineering business. It, it, I write about it in the book. Um, we lost him very, very suddenly to cancer. And because he was integral to the business, um, we lost the business three months after the receivers were, were, were called in and it was just really crappy time. I worked for the company's health and safety. My brother worked on the shop floor. My mum was um, a director, but didn't work because she'd had breast cancer. So she couldn't get a job. She was slightly looked after with a couple of insurances and the, the, the house was paid off, but not, not nowhere near the life that she was accustomed to. And I, I must have locked that away in my brain because when I didn't think anything more of systems or processes until I started my business like several years later. And then that's when it was just like, wow, that light bulb moment, right, I need to learn about it because I've, I've been through it. And they always say that, you know, an entrepreneur or, or business person always has some sort of pain or not pain, but some something that's happened in the past to remind them of what they need to do moving moving forward. So that's a big thing for me. And, and scale and business, it's just, you know, I think I look at my dad and my, my granddad was quite reasonably successful in business and just what they what they did. Um I, ju- I wanted to do it different. I wanted to do it, dare I say, better because, of, uh, you know, systems and not being integral to the business. So that that's my main passion. So I think I think short answer is my dad. I think everything came from my dad and my family, really. Yeah. Sounds like quite a compelling reason, really. If you live, su- live through, through something like that, then it's going to impact you and impact you. Yeah, you, think yeah, you do. And you, yeah. you just never want your kids to go through it. And it's it, it's a bit, it was a crappy time, to be blunt. And it, it, but it definitely shaped me who I was, as in, yeah. you know, toughened me up and massively mentally toughened me up. And obviously, you know, you know, my sporting background as well. So physically that toughened me up. But, you know, getting up at six o'clock in the morning to do a report is absolutely nothing compared to, uh, the crap that you go through with that. So it's like when people twist about, oh, I've had a hard day. I've I've done 37.5 hours worth of work this week. And you're thinking, I remember my first part-time job as well. It's like, you know, you, it just toughens you up mentally to, to, to be prepared for whatever comes across. Yeah, yeah totally. All right, thank you very much. Um, so I say five, but any apps, just be specific, we'll say five, but you can go either way. It's fine, either side. Uh, any five apps you couldn't live without, either phone apps, browser extensions, or good old yeah. computer apps? Yeah. So um, Asana for the, for the first one. That That's from a coaching business. That's absolutely been brilliant. Zoom. And again, that that's that's a really good one. Um, do you know what? I'm going to have a quick little look on here, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. I, I did the same thing when someone asked me the other day. Um, Zero. Yeah. I love my Zero app. Dropbox um, and Stripe. Thank you very much. That's cheap. And Stripe slash go cardless. Yeah, we don't do direct debit, so we don't need Stripe. I would only go cardless, sorry, so we only use uh, Stripe. But uh, And we actually moved from um, Dropbox to solely on uh, Google G uh, Workspace now using shared drives. So we only have a, just have a sync. Once you're embedded, you probably don't want to move, but just yeah. so we can have a single login for the business and that's it. So awesome. there's only one app. So yeah. that's the only thing. But all the rest of them I totally agree with. Um, 
who do you think would make a great next guest for this podcast? Oh, systems, 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 systems. I think if you could it's, it's, it's systemized. The business, the podcast is systemize your success. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be specifically on system business systems, but just just to put that caveat in there before you answer. Right. I think um, uh, obviously Gerber would be a great one. Um, is it Sam Carpenter uh, built a cell? Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He did um, work the system as well, didn't he? Work the system. Yeah. Work the system. The guy who wrote um, built the cell. I thought that was a very good book. Yeah. Can't remember who he is, but yeah. Yeah. So the one thing I took out of that was when when you build it the cell, obviously, is that you've got um, you've got a number and you you put it in your drawer, your top drawer every year. You know when you're doing your year's resolutions, um, and if somebody comes to sell your business, providing you can walk away with that that number, don't worry about the deferment or whatever. Then then you should take it. Because when the emotions get into it, when you're on about selling your business, a lot of people want more and more and more up front. Um, effectively, they're being a little bit more greedy with that. So I think I think he would be a really good one. Um, and then someone who's set up like, you know, franchise. I tell you, there's a good guy called Glenn Aykroyd. He, wrote, he set up a business called Umove. And they set up a franchise and they got a ridiculous amount of money when they exited it. Um, many, many multiples because they, they'd systemized it as a franchise and um yeah he's he's definitely he's a good guy as well very very clever fella i think i know glenn yeah. if he's the same glenn we're talking about yeah yeah well I'll, let me know I'll, and i'll do an intro if you want to yeah yeah that'd be great if i if i don't because there's probably more than one <laughs> yeah cool okay last two questions the title of this podcast is systemize your success what does success mean to you um success is achieving whatever your goals are so whatever whatever you want so long as you're achieving it then I think uh, I think you're you're being successful. Cool, short and sweet, like it. And lastly, do you believe you can systemize your success? Absolutely, you can systemize anything. Absolutely, if you surround yourself with good people, you've got the knowledge, um, you've got the desire to systemize it as well. Either letting go part, um, and you trust people, then then you can systemize absolutely any process. Cool. In case someone wants, can't speak. If in case anybody wants to find you. Find out what you do, connect with you. Where's the best place for them to find you? Facebook, John Paul, uh, Instagram, John Paul Mentor. Um, I'm always about Facebook. Uh, just just get in touch. We've got to connect with people. Cool. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a real pleasure. Nice to properly catch up with you. Cheers, Steve. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to this episode. I'm well aware there are hundreds of great business podcasts out there and you chose to listen to this one. And for that, I am truly grateful. Hopefully what you heard today took you one step closer to building a successful business so you can share your passion with the world and serve an ever-growing number of people. If you got value out of today's episode, then so will someone else you know. By sharing with others what has helped you along your way, you will grow your influence and be the guy or girl that everybody wants to know. So please hit the share button right now and also remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss future episodes. It's impossible for me to cover absolutely everything in these podcasts. So please do head over to systemizeyoursuccess.com right now and download the show notes, transcriptions and some of my best frameworks and systems for free. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of this amazing community. Until next time, this is Dr. Steve Day and you've been listening to Systemize Your Success. Your Success.